Kreisio and welcome to Cardiff Referee Society's podcast. In this month's edition, it is BBC Wales Mr Football Rob Phillips. And instead of call Rob, Rob's doing all the talking about all things football. But if you remember listening to Rob's show, he's had some really good speakers on lately as well. Well, I will top-flight people on lately. <laughs> but honestly, when you listen to Rob's show, he's like he's talking to you, he's like you're in the room with him. There's some really great conversation about Welsh. Rob is the voice of Welsh football. I saw a handball on the weekend, Juventus, 
against, no, it wasn't the weekend, it was last week, Juventus against Inter Milan. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored from the penalty spot. Now the guy had his back to Ronaldo, he hit the ball, the guy turned his back, and as his arm was out, it hit his arm, and the referee gave uh, the VAR decision as a penalty. Now, I'm not sure that that's the fault of VAR. What worries me about VAR is the chat I hear more and more around the Premier League when I watch Premier League games, because unfortunately we can't watch them in the flesh these days, after seven or eight years of, uh, of Premier League football in Wales. You know when you hear the fans shout, it's not football anymore? Now that is really disturbing, I think, as uh, somebody who's not just he makes his living from the game, but absolutely loves the game, I'm obsessed with it. That's why I do the job I do. You can't not do my job without being obsessed with football. And I think that is a concern. Have they got everything wrong? No. I have less of a problem with the offside than some other interpretation decisions because at least I can see the gallon that Gary Neville point of view. At least on the offside, you're offside or not. And if it's a centimeter, well, it's a centimeter. Now, whether the offside uh, law is correct, that's another thing. Whether it should be the way Arsene Wenger said it this week, you know, or daylight or whatever, or whether it should be a part of the body, you know, uh, Giroud's goal on, on Monday night. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Chelsea, some people know that. I, I, do, I do get concerned when, you know, it, it's, it's a centimetre offside. But actually, in some ways, I can understand you're either offside or you're not, you can't half the offside. So I, 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 I've got less of a problem with that. I've got more of a problem with handball sometimes, because I'm not sure that that rule is absolutely correct. Because I do think. And this is my real concern. When you've got the fans singing, it's not football anymore, that really is, I don't think VAR was brought in to dominate football. I think it was supposed to be brought in to help referees, and I'm not sure it is. Because if it is helping referees, then actually, I do think we're losing something else as well. Because fans these days, commentators these days, on Premier League games, don't know whether to shout goal. Yeah. Because it may not be. I mean, every Saturday afternoon, when I'm commentating on Cardiff City or Swansea or Newport or Wrexham, I have, a, uh, have my iPad, and some of you may know about this, but I have a website called uh, uh, Flash Scores, which give you um, running scores through the as the game goes on. So, often, when, when I'm on, if you listen to me on Radio Wales, thank you very much, but most of all, pay license fee. Um, if you listen to me on Radio Wales, and you hear me give a score update, it's often not the producer telling me, come my ear, it's 1-0 to, to Liverpool in the Premier League. It would be, there's no internet here, so I can't show you, but um, it would be flash scores. But the number of times in the last couple of seasons, I'll say, it's an Anton 1, Bournemouth 0. Oh, hang on, it's been scrubbed out. Yeah. I, I think that happens an awful lot, and I'm not sure that's what VAR, in fact, I'm pretty certain it doesn't want. Yes, if, it's a, if an effort's disallowed, 
will find the other way out of VAR. And this probably comes back to my roots in football, because I started off on the wrong leader, covering Tom Penner, blind Ronda, uh, Tapswell, Pondicleen in the old Welsh League days, and I suppose they were then on the Pondicleen Town, all those sort of teams, Ferndale, Glenn Lewis, and all those, Roy Cooper. You're taking further uh, football further away from the grassroots with the AR. You're taking it, you're making the game almost different. Now, I'm not a Luddite as far as it goes. Goal technology, fantastic. Sort of limited VAR, I probably go for. But there's a part of me still thinks, I wouldn't say, you know, let's not have any VAR. There's a part of me thinks, Russia was supposed to run the game like it is now. And Jason Perry was with me on Saturday. And on Coro, I don't often go on referees because I tend to think managers with quite moments will say, this season we haven't had the rubber degree. They never say it evens itself out because they don't believe it does. But they might say, we've had a bit of luck this season, whereas last season we had no luck at all. But so I tend to think, well, if a ref has a bad game, he has a bad game. I can't believe a player on the pitch didn't make a mistake. I can't believe, you know, I know I make mistakes in Congress. So I'm less about having got the referee. That said, on Saturday, the officials at Cardiff, the one assistant was so poor, and the referee, by almost reflection, was suffered because of him as much as anything. The referee was an issue. We had loads of calls about it. We had loads of calls about it. And Jason Payne made a really good point. He said, the one thing I will say is, he said, I'd much rather be talking about a referee than talking about VAR. Because I know what a referee is thinking. I, I, I can, you know, when I was a player, I used to be able to speak to referees. And so he would rather talk about that than talk about a VAR decision. And I think that's right, because I don't think football was meant to be judged in a room 100 miles away from where the game is. That, I don't think that's where it's supposed to be decided. So it's a mixed blessing, I think. And I don't think we got it right in the, I'm not going to say our game because I don't, I don't somebody had a go me on Twitter saying in the domestic game, and actually the Welsh game is the domestic game. So in the English system, which four of our teams play in, as well, um, I don't think they've quite got it right there. And I think they can take some lessons off European football. As they did years ago when they outlawed the tackle from behind, you know, in Spain and Italy. There was a reason why, apart from the money, there was a reason why the skillful players like Ronaldo, like Messi, like those sort of players went over to the, to Spain and Italy. Yes, I like the climate and the, the big clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, around, but also because they got better protected, because they weren't allowed to go through. You speak to, again, Kevin Ratcliffe. Jason Perry, not having a go at them, but they, they're quite open about it. Or oh, first few minutes, we always get through Perry. Well, actually, it's the same in the first minute as it is in the 90th minute. You shouldn't be going through the back of somebody. And so, I'd rather talk about a referee than VAR, even if it's uncomfortable for the referee. Because, correct me if I'm wrong about VAR, but I was always it was brought in for clear and obvious errors. Right? Now, how can that go in the Wolves game on Friday night? How can that be a clear and obvious error? Nightmare hasn't got snowballs up for now. 
half past one. And um, I can't remember the name of the ref who was there. Uh, I should be able to, but I can't remember his name. And he walked straight off. And uh, as he came off, he went like that to everybody, you know, off. And I said, ref, have you got two sets? I'm from Radio Wells. Can you just tell me why it's off? He gave a perfectly plausible explanation about why it was off, the danger to the to the uh, teams or whatever it was. Only a minute and a half, two minutes. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, what, what you find is, is if a referee gives an interview, television will cut certain things and only bring in the controversial bits, which will make him look bad. And this is why referees have been stopped giving interviews. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been I don't know if there's ever, I mean, in the old days, when I was growing up, so you speak to pros now, they love the likes of Keith Cooper, of, um, I think the Welsh examples, Howard King, yeah. those sort of people, because they said, if I swore at the ref, <coughs> you'd give me double back. Because it wasn't, you know, if, it, if, if you call it the ref, so would you deserve every punishment you get? But if it's, Heckin' hell, ref. You know, heckin' hell, Coops. What up there? He caught me. Look at my heels. Well, what a shocking right there. That was our throw. Uh, and I'm reliably informed. Coops would turn around and say, hang on a minute. What about that shot you missed for five yards down there? Don't tell me I'm not in a bad game. Both laugh it off. Get on with it. And they're fine afterwards. I don't think there's any, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I remember been in a pre-season game at Merthyr when Cardiff, when I was on the Echo and covering Cardiff and he got really heated and it was Keith Cooper then who I'm a big fan of when he was a referee he would say he said, he came over the side and he said look, to, I forget the manager was said, look, if you don't take him off now, I'm going to have to send him off because he's just starting to lose it nips it all in the butt I don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever Obviously, you can't do it in a football weekend, but you can come over and say to the manager, you know, uh, Klopp said, didn't he, on Monday, he took, uh, Tuesday, he took Marnie off, because he thought Athletic Madrid were in, inciting him. Well, okay, I'm not sure about that. Um, I didn't see too many dark arts, and I didn't think. Um, That's quite well, athletic, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. Like you know what you're going to get, Lacken. Go. But I. I I think if the ref had said, well, if Trump had said the ref at half time, look, he's getting hammered. <laughs> but for all that, I, I do think there was more communication in the past than there is now. And I don't think that suits either the referee or, or the players. Right, come on, I said another question for Rob. Uh, I just wondered, uh, there's a couple of questions for myself. According Thinking about preparation for your games, when when do you start your prep for a game? Say, say a game on the Saturday, right? right well, I've say. actually brought a couple of my I thought you might. so I'll show you. It doesn't work on a podcast. But, uh, <laughs> so, before I do, people think I just turn up and read our program. Don't read the program and don't do any preparation, but everybody's a bit different, but you can, you can pass this around if you want. It's, uh, I'm not hiding any secrets of it. This is my commentary book. And so, um, 
that was the Newport County game I did last night. Everybody does it differently. Some people have computers, so they do it all on a laptop, and then they have it printed out really nicely. I do it with So pass that around. We'll flip through the pages, but you'll find it's it's roughly the same. So what I'm looking for when I'm doing a commentary is, first of all, it's slightly easier for me and people who work for the radio was because we tend to cover Cardiff, Swansea, Newport, sometimes Wrexham. Occasionally, I'll do a Welsh Prem game, um, but I don't get. I did Pennebont this season, the their first game um, in the Cymru Prem. So the way I do it is that my the team I know about, I don't need to have information because I've seen them. And if it's awkward for me to say Wrexham, because I only see them once every couple of months, so I, in a way, I almost have to do more prep on Wrexham without being sort of big-headed about it. I could probably turn up at the Cardiff game without too many notes, just look through the programme, see how many goals each one has scored, and then I can do a commentary. But what I don't know about is the opposition. Now, sometimes programmes will help with that. But I tend to spend, yesterday, for instance, before that Newport County game, I spent about, because I did it all in one go, that took me about three hours to do. So I'm looking at things like soccer base for details on their players in particular, which will give me, so if you have a look at this. So for the for the Newport game, obviously that was last night, where, yeah. where did you do the prep for that? I did that yesterday morning. Right. Before the... So it's all still fresh. Well. Yes, it's all fresh. But then, <coughs> this week I'm doing Swansea Huddersfield on uh, Saturday. I'll probably do some of that. I, like, not everybody does a lot of prep. Some people do more prep than I do. I, if you listen to my comments, I'm not a huge one for facts and figures. I'd rather... What I also look at is the local paper from the other place on the website. So I'll find out if there's an issue going on bit about the manager, what they're thinking about the form. That's where soccer base comes into its own. And what I tend to do is I'll use little stickers for the away players. And so um, I can then ask some of the club official, right, how do they how do they line up? So I can put them in a rough order of how they line up. I'd like to think with I mean I haven't seen Newport for a few weeks, but I know Newport County so well. I, do, I almost don't have to. And I do the same with Wales. I do the same with um, anything else. I also keep club records, which I don't have to do these days with soccer base. But, and they're not always up to date. So, for instance, I haven't put the new book in from last night yet. But I tend to keep lineups and goal scorers. It's, as I keep saying, it's a passion of mine. Just, it's nice to see somebody writing something down these days. Well, and I, I have been, I've, I've asked, you know, Sam Matterface yeah, of yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Talk Sport and HTV. I've asked him, ITV, I said to him, and they're really good, like Steve Wilson as well, Match of the Day. Send me a note on how you do your commentary. So they've sent me, and they do all those on a computer. I just haven't got the guts to do it. And then my my pride and joy is this, what I call the the um, the book of knowledge, <laughs> which 
is absolutely worthless for his priceless to me. And this is, um, well, it'll come back to you now, but I'll pass this around. This is every Welsh lineup that is born from, from the start. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to remember every. So, once some years and years ago, I kept the Rothmans. I photocopied the, the squads from the teams from the Rothmans. The Rothmans. And. Um, Can you explain to the younger members what Yeah, Rothmans, you look, <laughs> and they used to give you every Welsh, Scottish, Northern Irish lineup. So, I. I Cut it up, put them in the, the book. One or two of them were dropped out, I think. I'm going to have to revamp it. And then from about, I don't know what year, I started keeping my own records. So there'd be Welsh lineup. I'll be in the same fragments one day, that one. Definitely. Yeah, as I said, it's, it's worthless, really worthless to me. Because uh, somebody once said to me, John Hardy used to work for us, he said, um, when you do prep, you said you don't use 90% of it, but you waste nothing. Uh, yeah. and it, it, it was a thing that's always struck me. I mean, that is, again, that's really obsessive because there are websites now which will give me the um, Wales lineups from whatever game. There's a great one, Gorai Keith Kwarai, I think it's called, and uh, run by a mate of mine, Gary Pritchard, and you just put in. You know, you go onto the website, it'll give you a list of countries who Wales have played. Click on the country, it'll give you a list of all the games, give you the lineups of most of those games. So, but that is an obsession for me because when people say, Well, when did um, Steve Morrison get it? Steve Morrison, I think, from Wales. And I can, I can look it up roughly. Now, I am starting to move into the modern era because I wouldn't rob. What I've also done. Well, if that book ever got lost or it got lost in a flood, a flood or something, yeah, um, which uh, exactly. Be careful! You don't take it down down near Liberty on Saturday. Ah. It floods of tears. Well, when, when I, I've started moving to the modern world because I now keep most of my Wales lineup since Coleman and Gates on a. Uh, so, be careful with that though. So that's how I keep the Wales lineups, and I also keep a list of Wales goal scorers. And again, my real pride and joy. Uh, new caps and the gigs. Um, I also keep um, ten picks of all the Welsh players. Which is handy when they made their debuts, when they last scored for Wales. Um, I mean, some people would would uh, would think this is this is nothing. Yeah, you did Jason Dockery to find his world cap. No, I, <laughs> I remember that one. I was coming there for the yeah. echo that time. Sasha. So that's my sort of um, my pen picks, and also. Uh, Wales goal scorers, Wales cap, there we are, Wales goal scorers, which is always handy because we barely never know what he's going to add to his record tally already. So, but you've got to have it. The point is, newspaper journalists, and I used to be one, um, can turn up and sort of bring it up on Google or whatever, but I haven't got time to do that. So, when Gareth Bale scores his 
going to be second goal or whatever. I need to know, right, that puts in four in front of Ian Rush, who, who held the record so long at 28. I've got to know immediately just uh, how many goals that is, or more importantly, if it's their first goal for Wales or if it's their debut. You know, a newspaper reporter can take the time, look it up on Google or whatever, although they're pretty, they do preparation as well. Yeah. So, you have to have a time. Yeah, not everybody does it the same way. Some people use more stats than I do. Well, I tend to talk more about the context of the game and what's happening. And frankly, I like to laugh because I get bored sick of stats. Because I, I don't think they mean much in games half the time. So that's, I don't just turn up, honestly, now, like, I know it sounds like it sometimes, but I don't just turn up at games and, and talk because. The pundits always say to me, or I always say to the pundits, I'm, I have to say what happened, you tell me why and how it happened. That sums up what a commentator and a summariser should do, but I, I describe what happened, because I'm no expert, I've never played the game. I describe what happens, they tell me why and how it happened. You said so you were doing this for a long time. Who was your influence when you when you picked up the microphone? Who, who? Because you know, I, I I like your commentaries. I think they're really, I, I think they're good. But the comment, I was, I love football history and commentary. David Cullen was always, I love David Cullen's commentary of football. I thought it was, it was so dramatic the way Cullen used to, especially the cut five, the old cut files in the seventies. Who were the ones who saw? I'm a big fan of Steve Wilson, I'll match the day now. He's a really nice guy as well, which helps, because I've got the privilege of sort of knowing him. As I said, you know, I saw him at a game, I said, can you just show me how you do your prep, what you do? He said, I'll email you. He emailed me a couple of games that he'd done. Um, I like him, I like Sam Matterface, I'm not just biasing with the BBC. You know, it's, one man's meat is another man's poison, another poison. Um, so, I think that, Influences on me, I tell you, had a huge influence uh, when I moved over because I've been in newspapers for uh, about 20 odd years. And I was sat on the Royal Lead and they got the Western Morning News in Plymouth, then the Argus in Newport, Kevin County as well, there and Rugby, and then 10 years on the Echo. And then it was, I thought it was time to move on, so I went on to BBC Wells. And quite early on, they sent me out, they knew I wanted to do, to do commentary. They sent me on a commentary course in London. And the guy in charge of the company, of course, was Ron Jones. Oh, um, Ron. And Ron was fantastic. There was about 10 of us on the course, or maybe not that many. And we, um, he, he, he sort of advised us on prep and um, what to look for. You know, if, if you look at my commentary book, um, what it doesn't show you is, for instance, when you're when you turn up the game, you know, how people say, how do you know this player or that player? Well, a referee can make sort of preparations for games. I've heard Nigel Owens say, I'll look at how they scrummage or whatever before a game with rugby, before he does a game. He knows what to expect. So three or four Liverpool athletes, he probably looked at, you know, what, what they get up to or whatever. Um, you have to look at things that distinguish. So if you look, have a look at my commentary book, I've got goals, which is always handy. The age, 
former clubs, maybe where they were born, what nationality are they? So that's sort of five things that I can tell somebody without just a quick glance. That's, that's there. But to me, they give me. And there is a different art of radio commentary into yeah. TV commentary. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't do much TV, I've got a face for radio. But the reason, you know, I prefer radio because I love radio. I love <coughs> commentating on games with radio. You get more into it, I think. You're almost living every kick of the game, every header, every incident you have to describe. So you remember it. And, and I get, like Newport last night, went to a penalty shootout. Um, I got home after you do the interviews after the game, which is another part of the job. Uh, so I was my day yesterday, right? So yesterday morning, spent all morning doing my prep in, my, in the house. Um, lined up Gavin Foxon, the Newport chairman, come on live between seven and quarter to eight. Really good guy to deal with, really gets that you need to speak to, um, gets that you need to speak to people and communicate well, which is a huge, huge blessing. Uh, get to the ground at five o'clock. Do a hit from the ground, as we call it, into our drive program at half past five, just 40 seconds. Then at quarter to seven, I'm in place waiting for the team to come out. Oh, actually, half past six, I'd arrange to do a quickie with Flinny, just to play out just before the game, two minutes of, I was a devil, actually. He'll, I'll say, this is going out after you allow your team, but he won't be the team. He will, sometimes he'll say, oh, we've got a couple back to my totals over, and then, yeah, he will say to me, uh, once the, the microphone's turned up, yeah, so-and-so, so-and-so, back tonight. Great. You're not going to give it away to anybody. It's like, no, I'll, you know, I'll make feel about the opposition knowing the team. So that happened at half past six, quarter to seven up at the press box, seven o'clock we're on air, just after the news, five past seven, we play at Bill Gates, which I did last week, about Salford, because uh, we interviewed Brian Gates last week. Um, played at a bit of uh, Mike Flynn, the two of us have been before the game, then we had Gavin Fox alive, and then he basically had to kick off me and Jason Perry take it right the way through till we went straight to penalties last night. So we got off air, we got an interview with Mike Flynn. I get home about half past 11 at night. I am absolutely buzzing, I'm sure you are at the games as well. There's no way I can go straight to bed, or if I do, there's no way I can go straight to sleep. So I'll try to relax for an hour or so, just wind down because you are buzzing. And particularly if it's like a Wales game, I don't get a bed till 3 a.m. or 4 o'clock in the morning because I just can't. Wales has always been the biggest thing I do, even before they were successful, even in the days of Bobby Gould and you know all those sort of managers. Wales, I've always said, the biggest thing I do, and I'm glad to say the Euros in 2016 proved that to me. As much as I enjoyed the Premier League, seven years of swans in the Premier League, went to grounds that, you know, were fantastic, saw Premier League football, met Premier League players, seven years of that, Cardiff there, one year they made drop down from Cardiff, went up, so it was basically eight years of top flight football. You know, the first game in the Premier League, I remember, was Swansea, I got managed to City, uh, big uh, sort of got a big soft spot for Atletico Madrid. Who comes up? I'm really excited about seeing Aguero. 
He comes on a set, turns the game, scores a fantastic goal, and I'm thinking, this guy's everything and more I thought he would be. What a player he's turned out to be. You don't forget those occasions, but, but likewise, I will never forget 30,000 Welsh fans in Bordeaux singing the anthem. To look around where you were and to see the red wall before that game against Slovakia was spiky. And there have been other Welsh months who have been absolutely unforgettable. And that's part of the proofs I do. I absolutely love my job. It, it cost me a lot of social life. So, it, honestly, there's a lot of graft, I suppose you'd say. But the actual high is an unbelievable high because I was never able to. I, I did play for Bobby Ryan. Keith Cooper was the coach, actually. Uh, so, it shows what a good coach he was. He became a referee and I became a reporter. So, uh, he played me at Troy Deru one day. Oh, and I all the appearance of Bobby That's Ryan. another but they were, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be massive games. You know, I started off on the Royal Liga. When I was coming by Northern, they had Ronnie Dobbs and Desi Bartol and all those sort of people. My first crisis, you know, I've been banned by Cardiff City um, for a year, a few years ago, Tony Clever, bless him. Um, but my first crisis meeting was with Tom Pepper Football Club. I, got, I was on the wrong lead. We used to do a, I started a football column and I got called up on a Friday, I'll never forget it, at two on his back. And do you remember the, the brothers used to sue the team? Uh, Raymond, I think one of them, twin brothers used to come in and out of Venice Park. Yeah, this, was, this would be like 40 years ago. Right. And they, uh, one of them, would, I had to wait outside this room for the three top dogs of Tom Pender. Well, I got on famously without doing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was, they were going to complain about the coverage they were getting in the wrong arena. And they said, it was like this, it was, they'll see you, but I won't stop talking. And there is John Thomas, Jeff Orles, and Paul Worthy. Don't know if any of you yeah. remember all those. Yeah. Wow, did they tear me up a strip. But it was a brilliant ground, and still some of the best trips I've ever been on were with Blind Rotter. When Jed Ludlow's dad, Rupert Ludlow, was <coughs> manager, as I said, the likes of Desi Barton was playing for him. We had brilliant trips. Ronnie Dobbs, a bit of a legend in the Ronda. Um, Don James at Tapswell. Yeah. You know, he was the secondary group, didn't it, for like, years and years. Those sort of I, I went back to Tapswell a few years ago with Cardiff played them under warm up. Yeah, yeah. And I said to somebody, Don J I before the couple of weeks before, I said, Don James still about. And he said, Oh yeah, Don will be there. So and, and I saw Don and it was as if it was like yesterday. Well, well, I've been watching you all this sort of stuff. Brilliant. But don't forget those days, but for Wales has always been my the the um, I didn't realise at the time, but but after, uh, injury time in the Belgium game, I actually said, tell the kids to put the bins up because I'm not going to be home. Because we didn't know. I mean, it was a sense, it was the best summer of my life. I've got three kids, but I've even told them it, it was the best summer of my life. <laughs> and, and it was. And it was. All right, only one of them was born in the summer. And, and actually, this summer is the first time, last summer, 
hadn't been away on his birthday, but he's 27 now, so he's got over it. But you know, his birthday was was the 30th of June, and uh, my daughter actually got off Facebook. She's in New Year, but she's she's the youngest, and she said, "My dad says he wants to come home from for my brother's birthday, but really." We know he wants to stay out in France, and we did not know. We got to Toulouse. You say, "Oh, who was telling you?" Yeah, that's right, Steve. Yeah. Um, went to Toulouse, uh, and I was telling someone today in the league actually that final game in the group, which is still one of the best world performances I've ever remembered, was dominant. We didn't know whether we were going. We knew we were going back to Dinard, but we didn't know whether we were going back to Dinard to pack our bags and go home. Whether we were going to Marseille for the next game or whether we were going to Paris for the next game. And we had somebody back in base booking hotels for all those places as soon as the match finished. So it wasn't just what we were doing, we had the easy bit. We were just, I mean, the, the Welsh FA, people scored, you know. But actually, they got an awful lot right at the Euros. We turned up at the Euros to base in Dinan. It was idyllic. So if you're a journalist, you want good access to the players, you want good press facilities, so you can do your work. Like a referee needs a whistle and cards and whatever, or a stopwatch. We need Wi-Fi, we need access to players because we can only generate what they provide in those things. And actually, when you're away for, we thought, let's say, two weeks to start with, Slovakia, England, Russia, we thought we might be away. We were there five days before. We flew in from Sweden from the friendly, and then we had the build-up to the game. The Welsh FA did a lot of things right. The press facilities in Tinan were fantastic. We didn't ever want for anything else. So you could spend a day in the press area, which was next to their training ground, and you would have, they give you little nibbles if you wanted them. They were brilliant. For all the people slaughtered them, and they showed us around the first day. And I remember John Ford saying, We've actually spent a few bob on this because they decided they were going to be placed in Denial away from the hub of the tournament, but it was right next to an airport, which meant they had easy trips to Toulouse, to Lille, to wherever they were going to go, uh, Paris. And uh, we, had a, we had a time of our lives there because. You know, when you're away from home for three, four weeks, you need A, places to go eat. You know, we do have to eat. I know people think, oh, you're on a jolly. It wasn't a jolly, but you do need to eat every night, and it can, you can get fed up at Peter every evening. So they had, they had a great place with, um, for us. They had a great place for the players, because it was outside the main hub of the tournament, so therefore it wasn't feverish about Euro, 20, uh, Euro 2016, so they, the players were able to walk around, go for a cup of coffee. You could see the players walking down the streets of them. Admittedly, the further Wales went, and they kept going back in Dinar, the more Wales flags you saw in Dinar, while you were, because our hotel suddenly, if you go Welsh media, you know, suddenly dragon flags started to appear. And it was brilliant. But summed up to me, we got through the main, the group stages, went and played at, uh, Northern Ireland in Paris. Get to Paris a couple of days before, after the eventful train journey, where there's a bomb scare at the station. And uh, this guy who played the piano, 
the station. You know, they've got penis in every station in France, the big ones. And um, we were listening to it, and everybody else was everybody. And the guy kept playing, and we said to the waitress who'd served us, the, uh, the, this cafe, I said, um, should we move? She said, yes. I found you had moved, she said, because they called him off this area. Uh, there's been a bomb scare, bomb alert. I said, well, what about him? He said, oh, well, leave it. <laughs> so, we, so we get to Paris, anyway, get to, to the ground, play Northern Ireland. I see my colleagues from Radio Austin, who are doing exactly the same job as I am, they're coming kind of Northern Ireland, got through the group, big success, probably there longer than they thought they would be. So we say hello to them before a game, and I'll never forget them all my life. I said to one of the guys, uh, I said, having a good time? And he actually turned around to me and said, be quite happy if we went home today. I said, you're joking. He said, no, no, he said, um, we're 45 minutes from their training camp. There's not much to do where we live. There's nowhere to go. And he said, we're just going, press conference, press conference, all this sort of stuff. And he said, what about you? We're having a great time. He said, there's fantastic fish restaurants in Dinard. The place is idyllic. There's a beautiful one walking around the beach. The players are walking around town as if nothing's happening. I said, every day, and you know, when the Nationals are involved, in particular the National newspapers, and big broadcast companies, it's obvious who they're going to want. They're going to want Gareth Bale, they're going to want Aaron Ramsey, Ben Davis, you know, the big figures, Ashley Williams, the captain. We were getting bail every few days. Kept them before the Northern Ireland game. I remember saying to someone, any chance we can have James Chester? They said, well, he's played with the Northern Ireland game. But we had bail virtually every, every other day. It was just fantastic. Get to play England. And Northern Ireland wanted to go home. I said, well, we're, we're going to sell this for you. We're, we don't want to stay in another week. Yes. And we did. Thank goodness for the old goal. And uh, it was just a stunning time. Even, even, and there was real joy in the Welsh camp. And even the, the, the sort of, I won't say dodgy stuff, but you remember the, the video that emerged of the players celebrating when Iceland knocked yeah. England? You know? The Welsh FA dealt with it really well. They brought Chris Gunter and Neil Taylor, two really good talkers from the media. And they came down. Yeah, we celebrated. We were pleased with that for Iceland. Yeah, this was a great way to put that. And I remember doing a QA with Chris Coleman afterwards up in up in Aberdeer and uh, he always says about that, but he said, Well if you think the celebrations are good for the players, you should have seen the management room. We won't deserve it. Um, so the the Welsh FA come under criticism sometimes, but they actually got a lot right and you know the telling story again, we got to the England game and the English Top media there, you know, from the, the national newspapers. And, uh, I said, Who did you get yesterday? I said, Oh, I, I said, um, We had Gareth Bale for about the third time. We'd only been there a week or oh, 10 days. So we had Gareth Bale, we ran him a couple of times now. And I think, by memory, I think they put up Aaron Ramsey. Two stellar names. And it was sensible for the FA boys because they realised. They weren't going to get a look in, in the English press if they didn't put up. It was no point putting up, with due respect to them, it was no point putting up 
I don't know, James Chester said, as much as we love him, and he's a big he's a big Welshman, he's not going to compete with some of the English big names. Gareth Bale, he's global. He's a superstar. He's stellar. He's a brand. Aaron Ramsey was right up there as well. So the watch, I think, they're blinded in some ways. We get the England uh, boys, and they'll say, say, oh, we had uh, Ramsey and Bale. <laughs> they just shake their head. And uh, I always remember the one guy said, uh, do you know who we are? I said, oh, he said, Adam effing Lama. <laughs> that sort of thing. <clears throat> so it was just it was just the best summer ever. We got knocked out. Wales got knocked out on my birthday. Oh. Which, which made it bittersweet. But then come back and they, they said, you know, when Wales got knocked out, I had to come straight back because I was gonna be on the bus going around the city. And people had a go at them for having a bus ride to get the semi-finals, but I don't think they even realized until a few weeks ago, just one impression, it had been, yeah, my kids were, my two youngsters, uh, my, I got three, my eldest has always been a bit of a football fan, but the other two, they were about uh, 18 and 16, something like that, maybe a bit older, 19 and 17, not really into football that much, because, partly because, I never took them to games. You know, if I was a bank manager, I would take my child to work. When I go to a football game, I go to work. I did take my my, my middle one because he's an Arsenal fan. I took him to Swansea, Swansea Arsenal, and Swansea looked after him. He got all the grass and all that sort of stuff. But I never took them to work, so they, they weren't really into football. But after about a, a week or so at the Euros, the FaceTime is fantastic. You keep in touch with your kids and your family. And one of them said to me, we go for the fans on next weekend. I said, really? Oh yeah. I said, which one do you go to the one in Calvin? I said, it's massive. And the more I was ringing home, FaceTiming home, the more I was getting this, I remember saying to Coleman during the press conference, do you realize the effect this is having? Because I could, I could barely imagine, I don't know how many were over in France or those of you who were here, but some of the sizes of the fans are that was a good offer. You know, a, a real transformation on, on Welsh football, that whole experience. And it was something that all my kids said, we were the fans, and they had a fantastic day. It was my own. I said, I never thought you'd get into it. My dad, you want to see all the flags around you? You want to see this and that? And it, it was, I think it eventually got through to the players, just how big it was, and just the best summer ever. So I'll tell this one, yeah, so why is your thoughts then, Rob, for the upcoming summer? If they're all fit, we got to be... Um, we got to be in that... not saying that we don't have a, a puncher's chance of getting on the group, at least. I'm glad to... I'm glad we're there, obviously. I thought Hungary was a fantastic performance. And um, fair play, Brian Gates has got his detractors. I know that Pep, you didn't want him as manager anyway, but I was never one of those. I've always thought the FA of Wales was determined to appoint him as manager. Um, I've, I've always thought, give him a chance. I like the way he's blooded youngsters. I like, it. I like it when he says, I'd rather go for the youngster than uh, bring back somebody from, not the past, but uh, of an older age group. 
I look at our youngsters now. The squad in 2016 was historic. We'll, we'll never have a feeling, I don't think, like we had then because of the first time in most people's memories that Wales had got there. I remember being really emotional, in, even though we lost in Zenitsa when Wales qualified. I remember being with Kevin Buckley. And um, he was really up for it as well. Because he'd never done it. He did a great Wales team, probably better than that 2016 team. Certainly played with Rush, Neva, Dino, and Sparky, and those sort of players. He never experienced what Chris Coleman and his side, and that connection with the Red Wall, you know, together strong, but really did come home. So um, that'll always, that will always stand up. That will always be a, a massive sort of period for Welsh football. But though there's not, I still don't think, I think people admire Gates, they don't love it in the same way that they love to call them. Uh, who I call the national treasure, and I think he, he is and was. I do think this, this squad really excites me. You know, when I look at our attacking options, Keeper Moore's transformed the team. Really don't know how, but he has. Can we not keep playing those? I saw him in the flat Saturday. Yeah. Thought he played really well on Saturday. I think Saturday. I missed the trick not signed him. Not. Yeah. Played really well, but he transformed Wales. Bale is maybe not the player he was four years ago, but he's still better than most. Ramsey, I think, I'm a huge fan of Ramsey. I've been since I saw him play Chase Town for Cardiff in the FA Cup. In 2008, the start of my great run to the Wembley final. Um, but I just think something else. Ethan Abadou, I didn't see it last night, but I'm reading rave reviews. Brooks, when he's fit. You know, that, 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 um, even that squad will tell you themselves, you know. Was it Bale scored 11 goals in qualifying? Was it 8 goals? I can't remember in 2016. We were very reliant on Gareth Bale. Why would you? Belgium really like the man and outside. Yeah. Um, but now we've got a bit more. I, I'm really excited about it. I know not everybody is. And there's been, and you get this with youngsters, there's been a lot, the highs have been, you know, we've come to New Island Hope, it's phenomenal, that 4 1 in the first yeah. competitive game for games. The win over Hungary was dominant, probably the best display since Toulouse, as far as I'm concerned. Or, Best is, is really Even the context, you know, Ramsey was supreme in his pop there. And we hadn't had him for all the tournament, apart from half an hour in Azerbaijan before. So I'm really excited. How far they'll get, I really don't know. But actually, I think we can get out the group. I don't think yeah, yeah. we have to be scared. I mean, Turkey are, Italy are really good. But we'll be under pressure. Turkey got a fantastic defensive record in qualifying. Only conceded off the top of their head three goals in qualifying, and they beat France. In fact, I don't think they lost to France in the group, but they, they beat them at home and drew away, I think. I could be wrong on that, but I know they, they had the best defensive record in, in qualifying. And um, Switzerland, really useful, but they got. Wales were really happy when they came out Baku, Baku, Rome. The Switzerland have got Baku, Rome, Baku. 
I've been to Baku a few times. That is a really long trip and to make it twice, yeah, there and back in eight days. That's gonna take some some good. What's your thought on the format of it, Rob? Sorry? What's your thoughts on the format of it all scattered across Europe rather than being not a fan, I think I think um, I think Platini left a bit of a thing of hope with it. Um, I might be saying something different if we've got one of the venues, but actually, I'm greedy, I like travelling. I, like, I wouldn't go to Baku. I wouldn't have been able to go to Baku unless I'd been there um, with, with Wales. I've been to places I've never gone. I went to Chapman a couple of years ago. I'm really lucky, it's why I, I'm not sort of bragging about it. It's, it's why I, you know, I think I've got one of the best jobs around because I go to these places, I get paid to go to these places, and go there and watch football. What's not to like? Yeah, what's not to like? Uh, and it's, you know, I, and when I retire in a few years, I'm going to say I'm going to, if I do nothing else, I'm going to go away with Wales as a fan because I just love watching Wales play and it's just a real buzz about it. I like watching our four teams play. You know, I've been with Steve Cooper at Swansea today. Really good guy. Um, Swansea played some. Still do play some decent football. Cardiff, I've always said it, circus club. But my word, they give me some highs and some oh, devastating lows as yeah. well. Covering the yeah. yeah. city. Newport County, the team I watched as a boy. You know, my ambition was to come to Newport on the Argus. I did it. Travel with the team. Um, that was way back in the early 80s when. They didn't have two pennies, well they never had two pennies to work together. Um, but I was only saying to Richard Shepard last night at Newport. I remember getting on the bus at Dom uh, at Darlington on a Tuesday night. Tuesday night at Darlington, Roy Clark had scored a bravin goal for about 20 yards. I think it finished 2 2. And because I was on the Argus and we sponsored the club at that time, sponsored their shoes. They used to let me go on the bus, travel with the team, which is never happens now, you just don't see it. But it, it was fairly commonplace then. So I get back on the bus, and as ever, they'd always accuse me, always include me in the fish and chip run, because it wasn't all this healthy people on their way back. Do you want chips? Do you want buy off fish with the, with the chips? And like to die Williams and those sort of people. And I sat on the bus, and it was about midnight. Because I knew why I was there, I had to write the report to the artist the next day. But I looked across with there's a former England striker, Bob Latchford, eating his chips. And I'm thinking, that's why I'm Well, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> but he just loved the game. And of course, he, he led that, might have been that season or the season after. It was that season. He moved over to Bertha and played in their European, you know, which again was like that was my first year on the Echo. Covering Merton in Europe, Atalanta. Atalanta. I watched it, I was commentating last night, but watching the Atalanta result coming, because they're an exciting team there in Italian football, thinking it's impossible not to think back 30 odd years. How would they ever put that game in? For all John Reddy, I don't know how many of you have that, yeah, when you came across John Reddy, but what a factor. And he, was a, he was a devil. He was hard work to deal with. But my word, when he set his mind on something, he was unbelievably determined. And they wouldn't have played in Europe without John Rennie. But it was just 
you know, as I said, I could go on for hours, but I just had a fantastic time covering football. Oh. Can't help it. And even Wrexham as well. I got a Wrexham, got a lovely welcome. And, you know, having a bad time, but had some big games at Wrexham too, so it's not the right thing, as I keep saying. Well, I'm not. Well, it is more crap. It's more crap. It you know, you've got to make phone calls in the week to pick up stories. Not always good. You know, guy speeds death. Not sure. Um, was there's certain events that it, it consumes you as a reporter, and it goes beyond just the job. Two events stand out for me. If I go on, no standing out. I'm born is rigid. It's because I. I the two events. Sunday morning at home, get a phone call off a friend of mine who was at the Liberty. Swans were playing that day. Uh, Aston Villa, I think it was. And uh, he's a commentator now on Talk Sport. And he ran me and he said, Robbie said, you better sit down. He said, I've got some really bad news for you. John Hartson's had to go home because Gary Speed has been found dead. And I always remember what I did. I got in the shower. I said, thanks very much. I got in the shower, had a shower, got out, dressed, got in the car, drove into work. As I'm going into work, people say, where are you? I said, I'm on my way. I live in Deeper Square, so it was a 45 minute trip. Uh, yeah. Other people around me. And for, oh, I don't know, two weeks, there was a, there was, there was, we did a phone-in on the Sunday, not Robin and Sherlock at the time, for people just to express their, their grief. I was like, yeah. uh, like Dean Saunders, Neville Southall for, for radio stuff. Now I think I played Blackburn on the Tuesday night, if I remember rightly, and there was a tribute to him. So that was really emotional. And for two or three weeks, I almost thought of nothing else but Gary Speed, the death of Gary Speed, the this contribution of the world's football, the anger, the grief turned into anger among some of his fellow players who said, "Why did he say something to us? Who knows what what was going on?" But so that consumed everything. Went to Leeds, went to Newcastle, where they where they played there, just to. Observe the tributes to him. So it consumed you. And then, inevitably, the other thing that just consumed me as a, a reporter was the Salah stuff with Cardiff City. Um, again, you may know this already, but I was on a day off on the Tuesday morning. It was on my day off. I got, I got to work for them at first of all. And they both went off about half six in the morning. And there were texts from the office. One of them was from Simon Davis, who you hear regularly, commentator, and talking to Josh about Simon Davis. And one of them was on the other phone from a producer of our breakfast program, Good Morning Wells, as he was told. Half six in the morning, just in the phone was going And they both said similar things. Rob, there may not be anything in this, but things gone down between Lords and Cardiff. And we're just wondering. If it might have anything to do with Miliano Sark, we know he went back home. 
And so what do you do at half six in the morning on your day off? And you're looking at these tests and you're What, what? Could be anything. Could be anybody. Could be any place. I'm listening. So I switched the radio on to see what they were saying. And all they were saying was, a plane has gone down between Bolton and Cardiff. This is searching for survivors, etc. So I left it an hour or so and then texted a few people within the club, the higher up. And one text resulted in a phone call immediately. As soon as the phone went off, I thought, oh no. Then I never get to make about other texts or send a video or there's something in this. And that was the first thing that went on there about five to eight saying Cardiff were genuinely concerned about the welfare of the Miriam Asala and were making inquiries or investigations. And that was the first the world again I'm not but it was the first sign that what was about to unfold. And by about half past nine, I think, I'd been on Radio World's Capitals, Radio 5. And I actually did send an email that morning saying, to be honest, not for publication, but they do believe that. Miriam Asala was on that plane. And for weeks, for weeks, the whole of, you know, Cardiff were touched by tragedy when less than their first game patched yeah. after the helicopter tragedy. And they were consumed <coughs> by this tragedy. Um, and I've always said it had a profound effect on, well, everybody, but Fun effect on the award. No doubt about that. Yeah. Would they have stayed up or not? That's, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What matters is the life was lost and the effect it had on, on the whole of, of that club. And uh, whatever's gone since, the disputes and uh, the, the sort of, it's unseen in many ways, but you know, it's business and, and you sort of have to understand that. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong what's happening since. But the tragedy, the human tragedy, absolutely consumed the, the whole club. And actually, football as well. And so it never happens again. But those two events, I'll, I'll never forget until I go to my grave. Because for all the highs, there are some things that even supersede what you do as a, a reporter because we are all like referees. You don't often think of them as humans, yeah. but actually, or sometimes we forget they're humans, but actually, we are all humans. We're all this planet and we, we love the game we're involved in, whether you're on the sidelines or on the pitch or blowing the whistle or talking to a microphone. But nothing can prepare you for that. The speed, for the technical speed of that, for no, I, I'm old enough to remember the fireworks which went across the stadium when I was Romania. You know, I was, I was on the Echo then, I was covering that. And you think, wow, whatever next, but those two things will, will never leave me. And as I said, for some, some, uh, 
some parts of the job you can sue. You know, you've got the euros, you can't go anywhere else. What did you pick that back then? I then floated my foot. I wanted to enjoy it all the time I was there. The rider kept it, kept it man did for 10 days. I thought there was nothing else. But they were events that, you know, that nothing, absolutely nothing was near the Amasala and the Gansby. I'm going to ask you one more question, Bob, and this is a question that you ask everyone on Saturday. All right. Okay. Can this city, are they going up playoffs, yes or no? Right, you want a one-word answer or do you want um, a proper answer? <laughs> My hunch is that they've probably left themselves too much to do now. And uh, I, if I'm honest, I'm not sure either of the Welsh clubs are going up from the championship. But, <laughs> but, despite having sat on you on the fence, there is a momentum at Cardiff, which Swansea will look to get back on Saturday in Tennessee. Oh, so got that job. There is a there is a momentum at Cardiff. You know, had it not been the ref on Saturday, it would have been an even greater momentum, maybe. But you know, I'm actually quite impressed with what Neil Harris has done so far. Mm -hmm. He's given them a chance, whereas they had no chance. I, I, I said this on there. Well, it made me laugh, you know, Neil Warlock went on goals uh, on Sunday, I think it was, and he said, I've left Neil Harris with a, a top two squad yeah. capable of reaching the top six. And I said on there, well, my response to that is, well, if they were capable of top six, why were they 40 when you left? Um, so, but Harris is he's starting to have an effect, he's got Get the tune at the lead on, it's got a tune by Josh Murphy. Oh, yeah. He sorted out the goalkeeping situation in a way I didn't expect. Uh, and and Spinney's now looks a, a number one goalkeeper. And uh, he's got a, a solidity in the team. You know, for all the people say he doesn't win that many games, he's only lost, only West Brom have lost less games than Cardiff in the championship, which is a staggering start. Um, so, my heart tells me they've got a chance, my head tells me probably not. So it's a strange division. It is. Uh, it's a random division. We we're, we're having this conversation with Steve Cooper today, who, you know, as I said, they need to get the they have one in five. They need to get momentum back. They can have a thumping win over Huddersfield on Saturday, Swansea, and suddenly, okay, go to Fulham, get some more Fulham. Go to Blackburn, get some with Blackburn. Suddenly, they're, they're only, for all they're having bad form, yeah. like a seven league wins in 27. They're only five, four, five up. 16 points from the first six games. They're only five points off quest. Cardiff are only three points off quest. Are they playing well enough to do all the great work? Well, actually, they're not going to buy well as it is. They're just not winning all the games. So, you keep drawing games like Neil Harris does, and you won't be far away because, you know, who are the it's just bizarre. But I think Barnsley got a follow up with me there. I think we all got a press. I can win and beat Leeds. I can win and beat Leeds. Yeah. So it's a, it's Dave Jones always said the championship was the hardest division to get out of. And he's probably right, other than maybe the National League, because of the convoluted way we go about promotion and only one goes up automatically. So I can see exactly what he meant. The championship has never been 
any different. And frankly, that's why a lot of fans will love the championship. A, there's more games in the game of Premier League. But B, each of them will be A. Maybe that should be A. And C, just don't know what's going to happen. You know, my, my gripe about the Premier League is it's been skewed the last two seasons by Manchester City and Liverpool. It, it's skewed. Don't, you know, people throw at me, Jason Perry in particular throws at me, oh, La Liga, uh, it's always going to be one of two teams. Well, actually, no. Atletico Madrid won it a few years ago. Almost won the Champions League, but for Bale in the last minute or whatever. Um, Barcelona, there's a proper race on. Nobody's 22 points away from from their nearest rival in La Liga. And you'll see what happens in Europe. You can't argue Premier League last season was the best league because they had the Champions League finals. But before that, you know, Spanish clubs were winning the Europa League regularly. Sevilla won it. Few times on the France or Athletic Madrid won it. Then Barcelona and Madrid was sharing the the Champions League as well. So in a way you can see why people love the championship and why even some Swansea fans after seven years, first four years are fantastic. And they were brilliant days, love in particular was the yeah. Halcyon days, just memorable games, memorable style, Brendan Rogers as well. But the last few years when they were you know, I know how they felt. They would go to games thinking, can we just grab a point here? Can we, can we avoid a thumping defeat here? In the championship, you're traveling miles away, thinking, you know, this leads you right, we might get something here. Even 3 0 down without having a goal. You might still get something. I don't think many people thought that. But you just don't get that in the Premier League, which is why I love the championship. Indeed. Indeed. It's, uh... So, maybe, that's the answer. That's maybe, the way that's uh, that wrong. But we'll have that on call, Rob. Oh, we will, Sam, yeah, we'll bring it in. Rob, thanks for coming tonight. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get the turn off. Half-term, weather, flooding, football on the telly. I don't think it's the right night of the week to have a society week anymore. But I've just been mesmerised listening to you talk and your stories and the way you present on the on the on the radio. I think you've got at least another twelve new listeners now on Saturday. Just pay your license fee, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that we're one listen now we've got about seventeen now on us. But that's please show your appreciation. <laughs> we have got referees. We all know without rest there would be a game so thank you as well. No, no, no. We've come to the end of the podcast and thank you, Diachavau Young, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. To find out more about the Cardiff Referee Society, then please visit our website at cardiffreferees.org.uk. Or to get more podcasts, then go to the website anchor.fm forward slash the ref channel. Or search for us on Spotify, The Ref Channel, or one word. Until next time, Hoyo Vawa.